as you heard from the title, this is right. This is going to be my audio review of the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. Overall, um, if you want to get the nitty gritty, I do think this is an amazing camera. Um, everybody is harping over the same thing where it's an amazing camera for the price point. And for the most part, I happen to agree. Um, the one thing I will say is I notice a lot of people are trying to ditch their camera for the next best and greatest thing. And this is definitely a special use camera. So people who are used to DSLRs who want to make the jump know that you are jumping from a DSLR to a proper cinema camera. And there's some good things about that and some bad things about that. And I'm going to dive in right now. So with the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera, uh, the first thing you're going to notice when you turn this puppy on is the screen is absolutely beautiful. Um, the, you, you, basically, I can expose off the screen no problem. Obviously, have a little bit of help from the histogram. Uh, but I find this, this is basically the best screen I've had built in on a camera, uh, basically that I've ever had as a built-in screen, uh, not counting, obviously getting external, um, external screens and monitors to add to like my GH5, uh, and et cetera. Um, passing the screen, the battery life is absolutely atrocious, um, when you get this thing, it comes with a power cord, and the power cord for the camera does charge the battery at the normal rate that other chargers do. However, it only charges one at a time, um, and it does not come with a battery charger. Luckily, LPE6 is so cheap, you can get battery chargers for like $10 on Amazon. Um, so that wasn't a deal breaker for me. However, obviously, the power overall is... Uh, I have a few power sources here that I'd like to try. However, my biggest uh, irk was uh, you have to get the specific cord. It's like a Limo two-pin cord, and it's there's there's really no other camera that has the exact same Limo connector. Um, so, in essence, everyone's rushing, or a lot of people on the forums are rushing out to try and find something that will work. And in reality, the only way you're going to be able to get it right now is Blackmagic has a cable bundle that they're going to sell. Uh, it's on pre-order right now. It's BNH is saying November 2nd. Uh, I'm probably going to have to get that. Um, the, the cable comes with uh, a cable to, to hook up into, uh, I think it's two-pin, uh, and the typical V-mount battery-style um, connectors. Uh, so that is going to be a must. I, I have not tried an LPE6 dummy battery. Uh, I have heard some people have tried their cheap ones and they weren't working. Um, but I haven't tried it. I'd like to see if it does work because that would be a nice cheap way to get around the whole power issue in the meantime. But I have not tried that. Um, the other thing I've noticed is you have to be careful with what kind of batteries you get. Uh, I thought I was getting a bargain and I found a two pack of LPE6 batteries for $10 on Amazon. And although they actually powered the camera for 55 minutes, they were a pain to get out of the camera. I literally had to, luckily, I was able to get the battery out enough to stick a screwdriver in a little piece and pull it out without damaging the battery nor the camera. However, I've been seeing people in the groups and they have been going crazy and I guarantee you they've been scratching their cameras a little bit. Um, so you do have to be careful with ki what kind of LPE6 batteries you get, and you don't really want to mess around with too many of the uh, third-party ones as, again, it looks like 
there are some compatibility issues for whatever reason. I can confirm, though, that it was not due to swelling that it wouldn't come out. Um, when I put these batteries in, the first thing I did was take them out to make sure that it would pass that test. And the batteries that I put in that were the $10 batteries, they were like, ooh, oopla, oopla. Actually, I'll tell you right now. Let me open up my drawer. The batteries that did not work properly were Udaga, O-D-O-G-A. They lasted 55 minutes, but they would not come out without a fight. I actually tried to uh, rig a little pull pin system like GoPro has on their batteries. However, that did not work out that well. So I do not recommend those batteries. And again, I do say be careful with using uh, third-party LPE6 batteries. Uh, other than that, going down the list, uh, the instead of talking about that stuff, let's talk about footage from the camera. The dual ISO is great. Uh, I used my 18 to 35 Sigma to basically test uh, everything. And I loved being able to uh, jump up to 2,500, 3,200 ISO. It was great. The footage was clean. It, it obviously had a, a slight bit of noise uh, in the 3,200, but it was it was not even – people. when people say usable, I'm like, oh, well, there's a little bit of grain. This was better than usable. It was the, the – there was a little bit of grain, but it was barely noticeable. It was very good, very nice looking. Um, the other thing I noticed, which I don't see a lot of people mentioning, the f-stops in the aperture, that can actually be fine adjusted uh, by a 0.1 stop. So I was able to go from the uh, speed boosted aperture of 0.2, literally to 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0 0.5, 0 0.6, so on, so forth. And that's great because coming from using DSLRs for the past few years, you're set to, uh, predetermined stops like two, two, four, two, eight, etc. Um, so it was great to be able to actually fine tune exact F stops, uh, on this camera. It got me really happy to see that. Um, they actually added a few little auto modes this time in this camera. You can auto adjust your white balance. Uh, I've noticed it's kind of off every time I do it. I wouldn't rely on it, the cool part that I like about it, though, uh, and it's the same with basically everything from aperture to shutter speed to ISO, whenever you go into those submenus, there's a little bar on the bottom that you can put your finger on and drag across the bar, and you can instantly see the change in exposure, um, and same with white balance on any of those modes. So it's very easy to dial in your white balance to exactly what you want without having to spend a lot of time on it. Um, in short... Uh, I really like this camera. Uh, I was planning on, you know, using the Blackmagic as my main camera and actually getting rid of my GH5. However, after playing with it for the past week, I'm actually going to keep my GH5. Um, for anyone who's looking to just have one camera, the GH5 or the Blackmagic, if you had to choose one camera and... This is your workhorse, but at the same time, you can't really afford to have two cameras. I would actually recommend against getting the Blackmagic, as the Blackmagic is an absolutely amazing camera. The image quality is great in all the flavors of ProRes and the RAW. Um, however, it is a cinema camera, and if you cannot live with the shortcomings that this camera has as a straight, strict cinema camera, I would keep your GH5. Uh, I'm absolutely going to keep my GH5. Um, I'm not going to go over all the reasons why there's plenty of videos out there. Uh, the only thing I will say is the IBIS, the battery life, 
uh, and the ease of use are why I'm going to keep the GH5 in addition to my Blackmagic. Uh, the other thing, too, I obviously got one of the first Blackmagic copies in production uh, since they started shipping this October. Um, and I actually already had an issue. Um, the good news is Blackmagic did set up an RMA uh, and handled it within about two days. And I, uh, I contacted them. Today is Friday. I contacted them on Wednesday, and they set up the RMA last night, Thursday, for me to ship out today, Friday. Uh, so we'll see how long it takes. And when I get the camera back, I'll do a little update after I have some more time to play with it. However, there are minor quirks with my camera that... Uh, I don't really know why they happened, uh, and Blackmagic doesn't really know why they happened either. Uh, and I'd assume it's just one of those things where when you go to a boutique company like Blackmagic and you're going to get one of the first cameras, you're going to have issues. Um, and, you know, I'm not complaining about it because, you know, you kind of signed up for that. I had one of the first Blackmagic pocket cameras as well. And uh, if you guys remember or if you had them back then, in uh, good old 2013, the first Blackmagic Pocket Cinema cameras, the first one, had a uh, crazy white orb issue with any kind of uh, light pointed at it. So basically headlights from cars, street lights. Uh, I was filming a lot at a jazz club at the time, and it would literally be light reflecting off of like a drum kit would have these crazy white orbs. And so I had to send the camera back then to do some kind of sensor fix or sensor swap or something that they had to do. Uh, in order to fix it. So I was kind of expecting something was going to happen. Um, to put it short, there was an issue with the screen uh, that didn't affect the sensor. However, uh, due to the amount I'm going to use this camera, I was worried that the issues on the screen were going to get worse over time. So I decided before uh, I get to work on some of my documentaries in November, it would be better to take care of this now than later. Uh, again, overall, I really enjoy the Blackmagic Cine Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. I am absolutely going to keep it. It is absolutely my, my, going to be my workhorse camera, but at the same time, I am 100% keeping my GH5, and I plan on using the GH5 in all the same scenarios that I'm currently using the GH5, and I plan on using it as a B camera to my uh, Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera in interviews, as with the 10-bit and the V-Log internally, uh, you know, you could still get some great images out of that thing. Um, so I'm excited to put these things both uh, to work when I get them back. And again, there will be a part two to this. I wanted to keep this nice and short with my uh, observations as I first got the camera. And once I get it back sometime next week or the week after, and I actually have a lot more time to experiment, I'm going to kind of put it through its paces with all my other lenses uh, I really just experimented with the 18 to 35 1.8 Sigma and a uh, two other lenses I tried while I had the camera was the 25 1.7 Lumix and I tried a 14 to 42 uh, 3.5 to 5.8 don't quote me on that I don't remember exactly what the variable aperture was but it was basically a kit Lumix lens that comes with some of the cheaper cameras and the reason I tried that one was for the OIS. I wanted to make sure the OIS was working as the OIS actually was not working on my Canon cameras through both my Viltrox speed booster and my Metabone speed booster. Um, and I, so I wanted to make sure that the IS was working at least on the native glass. Uh, brings me to one more point before I bring this to a close. I did try the Viltrox speed booster. It did work. Uh, it does look pretty nice on it. I did try the Metabones as well. It looks nice. Um, 
I haven't really tried more than obviously the lenses I mentioned, so there'll be more testing when I get the camera back, but I wanted to leave you guys with a uh, initial, I guess you can call this my first thoughts over, uh, over my review, and my full review will come out in the next few weeks once I've had some more time to play with the camera and take some footage, and that podcast, I plan on it being a mixed video and audio podcast, so I'll probably make the video and and you know put the audio from the video on the podcast and you can listen through it and it'll be very informative and then there'll be some certain scenes that you can see on the the youtube version of the video that will uh, be informative as well so until next time my name is jeff fagan this is the podcast on reachfilms.com and i will see y'all later